I'm turning my Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And as you're doing that, I just want to pray. Uh, Lord God, we are excited because of You. Lord, it's just wonderful that You gathered us together today. Uh, because it says in Your Word that when You are lifted up, and I know that's a reference to the cross, but when You are lifted up, You will draw all men to Yourself. And we pray that that would be the case today. That men and women who are here and who are elsewhere, whether in church or not, God would see the cross of Jesus Christ. Would see that He came. That love came. And I pray that they would come with kneeled hearts to lift high and to give glory to He who is the Lord and Christ Jesus. We ask for His blessing now as we turn and open the precious Word of God together. In Jesus' name, Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Would you stand with me? Let's read together. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You can have a seat. Today on this Sunday before Christmas, in my mind this is Christmas Sunday, it only seemed fitting, of course, that we would be in the Gospels, in the Christmas story. But actually there's a bigger reason that we're turning to Luke chapter 1 today, and that's because of where we have been as a church in Daniel chapter 7. Remember Daniel chapter 7? You're saying, well, what's the connection here? Why are we... Jumping from there to here. Well, it's not just for Christmas, because what you see is that in Daniel and in the rest of the Old Testament prophets, there were signs and then there were indications that something big was on the horizon. An anticipatory moment in history was coming. And I was thinking of um, how we could picture this visually, this connection between then and between what we just read in Luke. And so, I thought this might help. Okay, um, You'll remember that Daniel saw in his vision beasts, right? Those four beasts coming out of the earth, and they represented kings, the nations. And then there was the saints. We talked about them last week. Okay, so think of it this way. Bear with me here. Okay, ready? The beasts and the saints are on the playing field. Okay. Saints have the ball. Daniel, the QB 
is in the backfield, okay? And he's looking out to see who's open. But the beasts, I mean, this opposition is big. They are littering the field. They're beginning to cloud his vision. He can't quite see where he's going with this ball, right? And just then, when alarm and when panic begins to set in, there's someone standing next to him. And a voice says, a heavenly coach says, Daniel, I know you can't see very well where you need to get this ball, but behind that opposition, I have my man in the end zone. And this son of man will catch the ball, and he will win the game for the saints. So Daniel, throw the ball. And so figuratively speaking, Daniel does just that when he wrote down what he saw, right? The prophetic word was released at that moment. It was thrown up. The ball is in the air, right? And everyone's looking to see where it's coming down. Okay? Who is the Son of Man that the angel was pointing toward? It's a long shot. This ball that Daniel tossed, it's a long shot. Because there's only one person who could ever fulfill it. And it's got to be both man and God. Oh, it's a long shot. For generations, the saints watched as this ball blazed overhead, right? Wondering who would be on the other end. But I'm going to tell you something, that's not you and me. We aren't the ones watching the ball soar overhead. Because in opening our Bibles and in turning to Luke chapter 1 today, what we're doing, you realize this is, we're watching the replay. You're watching the replay. It's already happened. Okay? But you need to pay attention because you're not in the stands watching this and you're not on the sidelines waiting. You're in the second half, saints. You're in the game. Okay? You see, what was written by Daniel and all the rest of the Old Testament prophets was written... For you, upon whom the end of the ages has come. Just for a minute, would you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1? In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter says in verse 10, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Now, verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. It wasn't for their benefit, ultimately but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And the point that he's making here is that all that's been prophesied was ultimately for your benefit, upon whom the end has come. It wasn't revealed to Daniel who would be the fulfillment of that prophetic word. Right? He couldn't see that. But this much was revealed to him, 
that He was serving you. So the underlying word of verse 12, the word of repetition, is you, right? He was serving you in the things that have been announced to you through those who preached to you. You, the saints. And that begs me to ask, well, what has been announced and what is it that has been preached? But before we answer that, let's just rewind the tape here a little bit, right, of this replay and examine the prophetic word as we have seen it in Daniel, all right? So let's take a look at the ball here, the prophetic word. Just go back for a minute to Daniel chapter 7 and take a look here. Here's the sum, the climax of the, of the word. Okay, I'm going to read from verses 13 to 14 first. Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And then again, if you jump ahead to the last verse, verse 27, second to last. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom, the Most High's kingdom, shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey Him. Well, you see the main idea, right? There's, there's going to be one final kingdom at the end of this period, this episode of wars and beasts that is everlasting and that's indestructible, right? And this kingdom is going to be given to a Son of Man. And through Him, by Him, it's given to all the saints, right? Now, I've put, I put it up here for you, those, those verses. I don't know if you can read it from up there. But I highlighted, I put in bold some of those key phrases and words, right? Just so you mark them, right? Phrases like son of man, everlasting, kingdom, given. And notice this, right? Most high. Okay. And the point is, what I want you to see is when the time of fulfillment comes, when that arrives, we should expect to see the same phrases and ideas, right? The same word that went out should be the same word that is caught, Right? It's fulfilled. All right. Make sense? Okay. Now there's one more detail, right? To bear in mind about this prophetic word. Okay. Daniel, as I had recalled earlier, had a heavenly coach, right? In what he saw. And we identified that heavenly coach last week. This is one of the few angels that we know something about. Most importantly, we know his name. Remember? Okay. This is Gabriel. Who we find out is one who stands in the presence of God. So consider then that it is Gabriel, okay, that is the interpreter, the explainer for Daniel, who's going to tell him there's going to be coming an indestructible kingdom. And when that happens, it's because one, of a son, one like a son of man comes on the scene. That's when it happens. Okay. So now you've got a grip on the ball and who that heavenly coach is. So let's take a look downfield. You with me? Back in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 26. 
In the sixth month, okay, now hold on one second there. The sixth month, we're given a little time context here, but if you're going to understand what he means by the sixth month, you've got to back up to verse 24. There it says, After these days his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden. So the sixth month is the sixth month of Elizabeth's unexpected pregnancy. You say, why is this here? Why is that story first? You see, Luke's gospel begins first with the birth story of John, okay, who we know to be or recognize as John the Baptist. But you know this, that only in Luke do we learn the backstory to John the Baptist. Before he was conceived, his mother was barren, and both his parents, mother and father, were very old in age. They were advanced in years, it says. In other words, they were past childbearing days. But one day, while Zechariah, is the husband, was serving in the temple, because he's a priest, it says this, get this now, an angel appears to him. Now, for 400 years, there has been no prophet, there has been no vision, no word from God, right? They're just waiting, just waiting, a time period of waiting. For what? Well, the last time they heard from God was through a prophet named Malachi. Remember Malachi? And what Malachi declared was that an Elijah-like messenger was going to appear and prepare the way for God's arrival. Okay. So here what the angel says to Zechariah is, you and your wife are going to have a son. And not only that, but according to verse 16, he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit of and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So we have a miraculous birth of a son. You have an Elijah-like prophet, right? And that announcement, what you just read, if you went back, you would see this is Malachi's word. John would be that messenger, right? He would be a turner of hearts to God, but his birth was miraculous, but it was significant, not just for it breaking that silence, that 400 years of silence, but really as a marker of a new age. The messenger was connected to the arrival of the Lord, right, of a king. And so as if to remove all doubt, because Zechariah initially did not believe this message, we are told the following about how significant this was. Look at verse 19. Here's the reply after Zechariah doesn't believe it. Verse 19, And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So as a rebuke to this man, the angel does what? First he unveils his identity. Do you know who I am? Okay. I am Gabriel. By the way, that's a name with some weight, okay? I was the one there when the prophetic word of Daniel went out. By the way, Daniel's the only other book where Gabriel's mentioned. And therefore, when his name came up, it brought the significance of Daniel's writing to mind, okay? But secondly, he tells him this, I stand in the presence of God. That's my position. I stand at the ready to do God's bidding. And the last time we saw Gabriel, by the way, that's what he was doing, right? 
standing in the presence of God when Daniel saw him. But this situation is a bit different, isn't it? Right? Because remember, Daniel was caught up in a vision of heaven. Right? He was shown things that were yet to come. And Daniel was, in a way, brought to the angel. Right? He was brought to Gabriel as he stood before God in order to gain some understanding. But notice how this circumstance with Zechariah is different, right? Gabriel goes on to say, And I was sent, meaning by God, to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So here's the difference. I'm not here as an explainer. I am here as an announcer. The point of Gabriel's appearance is really to say, Hey, wake up! The prophetic word is upon you. I'm not here to chit-chat over tea. The appointed time is dawning. And that's why God told Zechariah, you're going to name him what? John. Not because it's a family name. No, it took everyone by surprise. But you're going to call him John because it spoke of the age that he was to introduce. A time of unprecedented grace. John's name means the Lord is gracious. Right? So as you should be picking up on, we are now downfield, historically speaking, and the key players, right, are falling into position. The prophetic word has not been forgotten. It's not been lost. It's not been disappeared up above. What has been delivered to Zechariah is connected to God's great promise. And by the way, for the first time in Luke's account, we begin to hear the sound of gospel bells, right? The angel has brought... Good news. I got good news for you. And he's not done, right? Because Gabriel has two conception announcements. And the second one is greater than the first. And you're meant to see that, right? So coming again to verse 26. In the sixth month then, and we know now what that's about, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. You ever get a knock on the door and uh, when you answer it, it's someone that you didn't expect to see. Someone you know, but you're surprised. What in the world is this person doing here? Right, And before you even find out why they're there and they've spoken anything, your mind begins to race with the worst, right? This must be bad news. Why would this person even be here, right? Something's happened. And if you do that with people you know, but maybe haven't seen in a while, how much more would you do it if an angel showed up at your door? Why would someone of such obvious superiority of rank and glory be greeting me? That's what Mary's asking. And why in this way? Why is he calling me favored? Right? And sensing her disquiet, her concern, Gabriel reassures you, says, don't be afraid, Mary. And then he makes certain the meaning of his greeting. You have no need to fear because you have found favor with God. Literally, the word here is grace. You found grace with God. What a greeting, right? What a greeting. But I want you to notice something. The greeting is not, Hail Mary, full of grace. Did you catch that? Okay. As the Catholic prayer grows. By the way, that's a terrible misunderstanding that makes it sound as if Mary is 
some kind of source of grace, that you can get grace from her. The idea in the wording here is simply, God's grace rested on her. Right? And I think that's what perplexed her about the saying. Because you know what? She knew who she was. She was just a common, lowly maiden of Israel. No different than the rest. There's nothing special about me. And yet God says, I chose you. I've chosen you. My grace is on you. And she became what she did because of the grace of God. Like Paul said later in 1 Corinthians 15, but by the grace of God, and only by that grace, I am what I am. So recognize that you are what you are because of the grace that God has poured on you. You're a mother or father by grace. You're a husband, a wife by grace. You're a servant of God by grace and a member of His church by grace. And you're alive and you're praising Him today by grace. Now Mary was no different, right? God's grace was given to her. And that grace was announced in the next verse. Because look at this. Okay, Look at what's announced here, right? Verse 31. The angel continues, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. What Mary has been told in some, is this the prophetic word that has been spoken in ages past is reaching its target. Remember those key words that we looked at from Daniel, right? Well, here they are again, right? From the mouth of the same messenger, by the way. Speaking of her son, he says, he will be called the son of the what? Most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign, right? Over the house of Jacob. For how long? Forever. And of His kingdom, there will be no end. The Son that's born to Mary is the Son of Man that will receive the power and the glory and the kingdom that will last forever. This is the announcement of the end-all king. You get it. Now, what the prophets foresaw was that when Messiah arrived, when He came, it meant judgment against all rebels. You know that? Like in Psalm 2, verse 9 up here. Psalm 2 verse 9 says, speaking of the Messiah and His coming, you shall break them, the nations, with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now that's not exactly good news for a rebellious people such as we are, is it? But there's more. Okay, There's more. And we don't have time to get deeper into Daniel at this stage. But a little while later, you'll see that it says this. Okay, I want you to see this. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 26, it says, And after 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. If I can clarify that a little bit, look at this. Okay, Isaiah 53, verse 8. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. 
and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, listen, stricken for the transgression of my people. Did you catch that? Stricken for what? In place of, on behalf of, the transgression of his people. To be cut off referred to a violent death. And the anointed one there in Daniel refers to none other than that same Messiah King. So you see, before the Messiah consummates his reign, before that judgment is brought down, listen, he has first come to save. He's first come to save. For the king's name is what? Jesus. Which means the Lord saves. And thus it was proclaimed on the night of his birth, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And that is good news for rebels. Do you understand that the king has arrived. He's not Savior now and King later. He is the Savior King. The prophetic word has been caught, right? The end of the ages is now upon us. And listen, folks, it was a long shot because it required one like who was a son of man who was also a son of God. It required a righteous, holy king who was also a gracious, saving king. And there was only one who fits that bill. No, it's not just a long shot. It's an impossible shot by human standards. But God, through Jesus Christ, made the catch. Today He sits at the Father's right hand. You know what that means? He's been enthroned. He's accomplished salvation. His kingdom has been inaugurated. And guess what? You can be in His kingdom. You can be in His kingdom. The now and forevermore kingdom. You know how? You know how. The Bible says this, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, He's Lord. When He ascended on high, it was plain to all, He is Lord, right? And believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. Here's the promise. You will be saved. You will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, I think we forget to look at the replay and to come back to that often and to remember that this was impossible by human standards and everything was according to your perfect time and plan. You brought forth your Son when the time was right. And Jesus came forth as a Son, fully man, And he fulfilled the words that were spoken to him. And he was crowned with glory and honor through his suffering and death. And now he sits on high forevermore. Oh Lord, we look to him and we await the moment when he will come again and consummate and bring his reign down below. And until then, oh God, bring people to yourself. Bring us constantly and continuously to him to find grace. Your grace is good and your grace 
is enough. Thank you for it on this Christmas Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen.